Uh, If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to open them up to John chapter 15. Today is the last day of our our Spirit-born teaching series, and we've been looking at at the Holy Spirit and and how this thing works and how it moves in us, especially as it relates to to spiritual gifts. And and we know that uh, even in, in John 14, Jesus says, if you love me and obey my commands, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. It's that spirit that we've been, we've been focusing on and paying attention to. It's a, it's a spirit that's vividly alive. It, it leads the church to vivid growth when, when the men and women of God open themselves to it. We're all tied into this spirit together. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about you are the body of Christ, and each of you, each gift of the spirit that you possess, each of you, it isn't just needed, it's essential. And you can't say to someone who has another gift that you don't have that their gift isn't important or that your gift is more important. Remember, if you, if you remember back in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, man, I, I would rather have five words that could be helpful like, like that would be a greater gift than even speaking in tongues or doing miracles because the building block of these, this spirit is always to help. It's to always to strengthen. We've talked about testing the spirit, but also remembering that First Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13, the highest goal of the spirit, the gift greater than all the other spiritual gifts are, do you remember what it is? Love. And last week, if you remember, we talked about... Uh, the Benedictine order of monks, 1,500 years ago, they looked at the spirit-filled life and said that, uh, I gave you five letters in Latin, and said this is the highest goal, and that is in order that in all things God may be glorified. So we've been digging into this spirit, and I want to begin today in John chapter 15. In, the, in this section of John, Jesus is talking a lot about this advocate, this spirit that's going to come. And these verses are going to sound familiar, so I just want to share them with you, and then we'll, we'll dig a little deeper. Jesus himself says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and those who remain in me and I in them will produce what? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So how do you know? Uh, how do you how do you know if you're like truly connected to God? How do you know if, if your if your faith life is going in the right direction? How do you know if you're truly growing as a follower of Jesus Christ? And Jesus, as was his way, is is maybe walking along, maybe they're on a road traveling somewhere. 
maybe on a mountainside. Jesus says, well, just look at that grapevine. You see that, you see that vine? It's kind of like that. And he connects two qualities of a spirit-born life uh, by looking at this grapevine. And, and he connects these two qualities of a spirit-born life that we don't always connect. Uh, I think verse 5 is, is a good representation of it. And I think I have that. There it is. In verse 5, it kind of sums it up. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. That's right. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Like right here is the core of what he is saying. And in the spirit-born life, he's connecting two qualities. And like I said, we don't usually connect these qualities. The first quality of a spirit-born life is intimacy. Right? I think you guys would agree with that. Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. The, the word in Greek is meno. It means to stay to abide. And he says, the key to a growing disciple, the, the key to growing as a follower of Jesus Christ is, is this mutual indwelling of God in us and us in God. And so he says, you know, the quality of a spirit-filled life is intimacy. And then he connects another quality of a spirit-filled life that we don't usually think of, at least not in connection with intimacy. Because he says, it's not just intimacy, but it's also production. It feels weird saying that together, right? Like we all, like I think most people in, in their faith, like with faith life would agree, like intimacy with God is number one. Yes, absolutely. But Jesus, without missing a beat, says out of that intimacy will come fruitfulness. Out of that intimacy will come production, and he even goes to a whole other extreme and says, you know, maybe if you're not being fruitful, maybe if you're not producing, what's the, what's the assumption? Maybe you're not as connected to the true vine as you think you are. You know, he almost holds up fruitfulness and production as, as cause and effect of remaining in him. It's, it's the result of intimacy with God is fruitfulness. I, I know some of you are, are maybe a little too familiar with the fruits of the vine. I say that as a joke. It's not the fruit of the vine that Jesus is concerned about, though. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, when you produce much fruit, it's not if. It's not, it's not well, if you remain in, in Jesus, you might produce some good fruit. What's he say? He says, when. When you produce much fruit, it shows that we are true disciples. And this, if you remember last week, this brings great glory to my Father. When you are connected to Jesus, the true vine, your life begins to take on a whole new shape. I like that word shape. It reminded me of a, of a teaching series that, uh, that Rick Warren did uh, if, if, you, if you actually picked up one of our bulletins today, there's a little shape outline in here. This is what we use in the, the fourth step of our growth track. We ask everyone at Aspen Grove to take four steps. 
And the fourth step of our growth track is all about understanding your spirit-filled shape. This, uh, 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 these letters shape, this uh, comes from a, uh, a book by Eric Reyes and, and was born out of a Rick Warren uh, teaching series. And for just a few minutes, I want to talk about your shape. And we'll just go ahead and put those letters up there one at a time. Here's what it's going to look like. The S in your shape is spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says that, that each of you has a God-given special ability. So I, I want you to know that a part of your shape is uh, not what you're good at, not what you've experienced, but it is something that comes uniquely from God. I want to stress with you the supernatural aspect of this. And it is deeply important for us to live into a spirit-filled life, to remain in Jesus, to recognize that God supernaturally gifts you what you need to accomplish what he wants. Does that make sense? You may think, well, I don't have this, or I wouldn't be able to do this. Like, you would be in the perfect position of, of almost everyone in the Old Testament that God used, right? It was always a display of his power. It was a display of God's purpose more than our own. And so I want you to know that if you claim Christ, even as Jesus said himself, he said, hey, if you obey my commands, I'll ask the Father to send you another advocate. He is the Holy Spirit, and he'll lead you in the ways of truth. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, and 1 Corinthians 12 goes on to say that it's given for this purpose, so that we can help each other. I think a good test of the Spirit is, hey, who does this really benefit? Does this really benefit God's kingdom or mine? It's a fair question, right? So for you to be this fruitful branch, you need to understand your shape. And, and you need to, we want, we want to encourage you to discover your spiritual gifts. If you look uh, on the bottom of this thing, I gave several resources from things like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs personality test or taking a spiritual inventory test. And so Churches Forever, we got really excited about this idea of helping people discover their spiritual gifts. And, and we want to do that. And, and I'd love to give you a whole library full of books of here, you read this, you can discover what your gift is. But, but easier than that, I think, it, I think it's, it's easier to discover your gift through ministry than to discover your ministry through your gift. And what I mean by that is uh, I think the assessments and the books and the studies are all great, but, but really all that you need to discover your spiritual gifts is availability. That's it. That's it. There was a family that came, uh, it, it actually was just last week, came to the front doors of our church and, you know, sometimes we have these requests from families that, that have needs and have this and, and you know, it's, it's, it always, when that happens, it always feels overwhelming and our heart always immediately goes out, okay, how can we helpful and 
one of the resources we support and always send people to is Grace Works, this great ministry here in, in Williamson County. But but we never want to send anyone anyone away empty-handed. And so we've got these these kind of blessing bags. And you know, frequently some of the things we're asked for are like gas cards or, or things like that. So we've got some, you know, we're we're willing to we want to be generous. And so we're willing to give and to make help make a connection. And so while this family came in, I was, I was running around and I was grabbing, and they had like six kids, so I went to the elder snack bag, and I, sorry, elders, you're all out of snacks now. Uh, but I, I gave them all the snacks we had, you know, like I just, I, I want to be helpful, I want to be helpful, I want to be helpful. And while I was running around, there was a, one of you who shall go nameless just walked up and said, hey, is this a family that, need, that needs help? And I said, yeah, they just walked in. We're, we're trying to, to kind of steer them in the right direction. And this person said, well, I've got, a, I've got a, a, a gift card to a grocery store. Do you think that'd be helpful? And I said, look, I'm not asking. I don't want you to, you know, this is, you know, uh, it's kind of weird. I'm the pastor, and I already start backing off. You know what I'm saying? Like, but here this was, here this person was just ready right? Available. And that's what I, I think that's more important in, in, in discovering your spiritual gifts is, is more, more important than all the books you could read about spiritual gifts. More important than that is just to be on the edge of your seat, is, is to be available, looking and ready for every opportunity. I, and I think maybe start waiting for things you're good at and, and instead just, just start with a need that you see. You know, one of the needs that came up this past week was from our friends in Ecuador. And, and maybe if you saw the church-wide email, uh, we're collecting some money to cover some gifts for some kids in Ecuador. You know, this wasn't part of the budget. It wasn't part of the plan. This was just a need that came. And, and uh, this morning, I'm not too shy to say, hey, if you want to con- con- contribute some cash to cover some, some gifts for some kids, my wife is right over there. She's collecting money. And we're going to get these gifts and send in. Why? Because... I think we just want to be on the edge of our seat. And, and, and I think that's the healthiest position for our leaders too, right? When you think about the future of this church, where are you? Are you just going to sit back, relaxed? Are you waiting for it to come to you? Or, or you, are you anxious and excited about what's po- the potential that's there? So the first part of your shape is spiritual gifts. The second part, the H of your spiritual gifts, is all about heart. And this is, can be summed up in the simple question of what are you passionate about? What do I have a passion for and what do I love to do? Uh, uh, I, I love this one because it's, in a lot of ways it's the easiest. Passion is the fuel. It's the gasoline that keeps you going. It, it's motivation to do it that, that only you have. It's it's a, a passion is easy energy. Like, like doing this actually gives me energy. It doesn't suck energy away from me. Um, every time Bob sends me an Excel spreadsheet, it sucks energy out of me. You can see it. I physically become paler. It sucks energy out. But if you ask me to hang out in the nursery with the little kids, like I, I come alive. Right? So what is that thing that, you know what I'm saying, there is that thing that you do that actually gives you energy. Like while doing it, some people might go, oh, I would die in the nursery. That's, you know, like, come vampire. Like, what is that thing that, that creates energy, that energizes you, what compels you, what keeps you awake at night, what pushes you to action? 
You know, and, and I think in a lot of ways, your passion is only discovered by actually doing different things. Teenagers, where are you? You have to do stuff to actually figure this out. I'm serious. Like, I swear that half of you think you hate sushi, but you have never tried it, right? You have to actually try stuff. <laughs> See, some of you said, oh, it wasn't, yeah. So I think your passion is that same way. That's why we want to create opportunities for you to serve and do different things. Like you may not, you may, I know you're filled with passions that you probably aren't even aware of yet. Do you believe that? So I'm, I'm all about heart, I'm all about passion, but I also want to give a, like a provision of this. Don't overdo it with your passions. <laughs> um, I, I think passion is important, but, but don't limit yourself to just the things you're passionate about either, right? Like no one here is passionate about pushing a broom. But it needs to be done, right? So don't just say, well, that's not my passion. Like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. Who do you love serving? What needs do you love meeting? What challenges do you love conquering? And are you asking yourself those questions? I, I, think, I think those things are already put inside of you. So I want you, in your shape, use your spiritual gifts. I want you to pay attention to your heart, but also pay attention to your abilities. What is something you find easy to do? What natural talents and skills do I have? For me, to stand up here in front of you with a microphone is easy for me to do. Now, don't that I prepare and I work and I've done a lot to get to this place. Um, it's easy for me to do. I've already mentioned, but if you ask me to prepare an Excel spreadsheet, some of you have suffered through those already. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not my skill set. So what are your natural talents? What skills do you have? Maybe it's, a, it's, it's even a helpful thing to sometimes list these things out. Like, what are, what are some areas that I'm skilled in? Just list out three or five things. What areas am I skilled in? And then go and pursue those. I, I mean, it could be anything from... From, from food preparation to, to fixing leaky faucets, right? Are, are you more of a planner? Are you okay being uh, at the back of the house or the front of the house? Are, are you good at adapting, at administrating, analyzing, building, coaching, connecting, designing, encouraging, improving? One of my favorite things is when a new person walks through the doors of our church, I am the most curious about what gifts you come with, what abilities you bring. And you know what an amazing thing is from day one, every time we pray for new families and new faces to come, well, who walks through that door is exactly what we've been praying for. I can't tell you the times, man, we really need, we really need that, that accountant gift who can come and help us and, and do all of that kind of stuff. And you know who walked through our door? Rob Walker. And you know, we said, oh man, we just need some help in this area. And you know what he said? Well, that's easy for me to do. Do you see how that works? Maybe you have the trustee gift or the, the pastoral care ability. Maybe it'd freak you out to go and hold somebody's hand in a hospital. Maybe that's something that would really give you energy. So pay attention to spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, but also your personality. 
Where does uh, your personality best suit you to serve? Now, I don't know how Charlie Perry got through the cracks to be our, hand out, our bulletin hander outer. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know if he's here today. Where's he? He's at, he's at Pilgrimage Fest, I bet, getting rained out. <laughs> All right, personality is a tough one. Personality is a tough one because you have to ask the question, do, do you really know yourself? Um, and and this, was, this is a tough one for a pastor or a leader sometimes because, because, uh, because sometimes come up, people come to me and say, man, I would really love to sing in church. And I'm thinking, oh, God, no. Oh, Lord, no. So with personality, I, I put this provision with personality. Always check your results with an honest friend. Right, amen? Like, like just, just check. See if this is really, like, is this really who you are? You know, it's, uh, uh, maybe it's just asking that question. How are you organized? Are, are you a task person or a people person? Are, are you a, a planner person or more of a wing it person? Um, you know, pay attention to your personality and, and pay attention to who you actually are. Finally, the last letter in your shape is your experiences. What spiritual experiences have you had? What painful experiences have you had? What educational experiences have you had? What, what ministry experiences have you had? All right, so experiences in a lot of ways, this is the absolute easiest one, right? Um, because you either have it or you don't, right? Um, but the question that, that's associated with this is, how can God use your experience to help others? I think it is an incredibly tragic thing to waste your experience. And, and I think in many ways, the church has done a poor job of giving people an outlet to share their experience with others. I think I've told you that I gripe at the, the guys on the golf course sometimes. Sometimes I get paired with the guys at the golf course. You know, we're in the cart together, and I'm saying, okay, well, what do you do? And, well, I've been retired for six months. Like, oh, awesome, man. What have you done? What have you done in your retirement? Well, we bought a sports car, and we've been traveling a little bit. And, and, and I don't, I don't want to begrudge that from any of you. I don't. But there is a part of me that says, what a waste. What a waste. You have a lifetime of experience, and now is your chance to use it to pour into somebody else. And I beg them, I try not to yell, I beg them, look, you've got, I, I love that you, you totally deserve every bit of this retirement, and I want you to enjoy every moment of it. But what if, what if you volunteered at Boys and Girls Club for an hour once a week? You have this whole life of experience like th that's incredibly valuable and helpful. Think about it. Think about the experiences you've had, spiritual experiences, or, or times when you've had to make meaningful decisions, times with God, times you felt especially close to God, or, or maybe even painful experiences. Some of the most beneficial stuff you can do with other people is to share a painful experience that they're going with, going through. What hurts and trials have, have you faced? What educational experiences? Um, 
who in here needs help in school, in, in math, or in English? Maybe you, uh, I, I feel like, anyway, I was going to say like bow staff skills and nunchuck skills and all, but anyway, <laughs> some of you know what that means. Some of you have web, web development skills. Like, how have you served in the past, right? Like, all of this is, is incredibly unique. It's, it's a unique, it, your unique experiences in adoption or divorce or in abuse or in loss or in job stress or with kids. Like, one of the things that I love about Aspen Grove is that we have, we have couples that have been married for 65 years, Right? Like, that's incredibly valuable experience. And everyone, I looked at AC because she's about to get married. You need to spend time with people who have been married a lot longer than you. And if you have been married a long time, you need to go and share that experience. Go take those young couples out to lunch um, and let them ask questions. But if they don't ask the right questions, you give them the information anyway, right? Like, like, don't hold back on your experiences. Like, it's such a valuable thing as a part of your shape. Here's what Rick Warren said just in relation to your shape. He says, your ministry will be most effective and fulfilling when you are using your gifts and abilities in the area of your heart's desire in a way that best expresses your personality and experience. What I would say is that there is no greater fulfillment in life than to discover your purpose and live into it. If you do that, you will, you will never be rich or poor because you will have a life that is really meaningful and fulfilling. I was talking about this, this teaching with my dad and um, uh, I, I'd come across this old folk tale that seemed to summarize exactly like it, it was like, man, how do we wrap up this whole spirit-born teaching series? And 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 I came across this old folktale. I, I want to share it with you. It's just a, just in video form, and it'll it'll take about seven minutes. Um, but but see if this can help make some of those connections with you, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up our time together. Go ahead, Merwin. What do you think? <laughs> do you remember that story? Some of you have that book on yourself as a kid. In just a minute, uh, we're going to send you to a time of communion, and uh, we've got the, the table set up around the room with the elements of uh, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, sacred space for us, and I encourage you to, to take advantage of it. And as you go to those tables, I, I want to leave you with this question. How are you going to use your unique shape to serve God's kingdom here? At the end of uh, your rows, about every other row, we provided what we provide in our growth tracks. Um, you can see them. Uh, I know there, there are cards and there are pens. I encourage you to pick one up. On it is just a list of, uh, of opportunities, of different ways that, that you can serve. And as we talk about your unique shape, we know it's important for us as a church to give you opportunity to serve and to plug in. And so if you haven't, uh, I encourage you to pick one of these cards up, to fill it out, pray over it. How could you serve? How could you, how could you use your unique shape here? What I can tell you is that uh, every time 
this, this is no joke. Every time Lauren comes to me and says, we got another children's volunteer, we hold our hands up in victory. We celebrate that. Every time a new face walks in and says, I've got this gift, how could I use it? We celebrate because we believe that God is cooking up something really good here. And each of you are a part of it. Bring what you've got. Put it in the pot. I love the very end. He says that everyone came and threw in the pot what they had. And in the end, they got more than a meal. They got each other. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word and for the power of your spirit. God, I pray that you would activate in us that, that spirit. Um, what, what parts of us, Father God, need to be opened up? And, and maybe, God, there are some fearful parts in us that, that, that are keeping us from, from being involved and, and plugging in to your kingdom and, and to, into your work here. Father God, remove any fear, remove any hesitation. And, and Father God, for some of us, it's going to mean that we need to open our schedules up, frankly, just to create opportunity. And, and Father God, help us to be available to the work that, that you want to do in us and through us. And Father God, that, that work begins by us remaining in you in deeply intimate ways. And so Father God, bless us as we, we pursue intimacy with you through communion, through the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the, the fruit of the vine that represents Christ's blood shed for us, and the bread that, that represents his body broken for us. Father God, we know that, that our production, our fruitfulness comes out of the sacrifice of your Son, and so, Father God, we thank you for his sacrifice. And, and Father, help us to live it out in, in, in ways that are meaningful and real. Father God, maybe some of us have been a little stingy with what, what, what we've got. Help us to open our hands to share the spirit that you have poured into each and every one of us. And, Father, in, in all things, may you be glorified. We love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, Amen invite you to a time of communion together.